Welcome to the Moon God Pod. I'm your host, JYLAX, and with me always is my big co-host, Love Ox. And today, we go to the East Coast. Our friend Crespo, he is a moon god. He is an educator, and he is with us today. Crespo, welcome. Uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to join you for this conversation. Um, I'm sure what we're going to talk about is going to be super enlightening because um, I think I'm going to bring an interesting perspective to to maybe what um, you know what Aku has meant to not only me personally but how I've used it as a tool for education. Well, you are a part of the community. We were talking before uh, we started, and you were saying how like you're kind of like this casual participant in like the discords, and um, yeah. you know we all we all have our real life going on as well. But I do want to make it clear that you were. Uh, recommended by Jose, and this is what's so great about uh, not just our community, but what we're trying to do on the Moon God Pod is, you know, have amazing guests, but more importantly, have amazing guests that they would want to see, you know, um, participate. And so, I love to see that, you know, the tag you're it kind of worked in our favor. Yeah. Um, and so, you've got a big responsibility, not just to us, but to Jose. You got to represent. So. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, we should pull the veil back for a moment on, on that on that why because um, Jose and I are fraternity brothers. We've known each other since he was since he was working on his masters in fine arts, and um, and and yeah. So we've been creating art together for over a decade. We've been collaborating on um, on printmaking, on uh, metal cuts, on paintings. Uh, we've exhibited together, um, and so so well before you know we all entered the digital art market. Um, Jose and I have had a long standing relationship. That's amazing. Um, take us to where you, your love of art really started. Like, uh, yeah, that. I'm a hundred percent a comic book guy. I mean, the mm -hmm. first issue of Spawn, Todd McFarlane is my favorite artist. Um, I am. I shouldn't have been reading it at the age that I was reading it, but you know, all, all like most of our generation, we were <laughs> consuming material that we shouldn't have been, uh, and. And from, yeah, from the comic books, it just evolved. I, I'm not necessarily a comic book illustrator, but I think what I found fascinating was that um, these artists were capable of drawing something that looked like it was in motion in a still image. And you were able to feel emotion uh, coming out of so many different pages. And, um, and what that process was like, uh, I fell in love with the process of art making, not necessarily the product. I would love to see like behind the scenes videos of how things were made and even now when I create artwork, um, that's sort of where my investment is. You know, I, I am able to release a piece um, and give it to the collector and, and beyond, you know, I don't have any ties to paintings. I'm not the person who says, I need to keep this one in my collection because my memory and my uh, and my connection to the artwork is based in the art process. Is it, you know, that's that's where my heart is. So yeah, it's comic books. And, um, and then from comic books, it just evolved into all the other facets that I do now. Yeah, Crispo, thanks again for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you today. I guess that leads me to my first question. As somebody who has an art background and uh, actually was classically trained in art, what brought you to Aku? What, what aspects of art caught your attention with this project? Yeah, so I, I think it's not going to be a surprise. I mean, I think, I think Glitch might have mentioned it too. The story was, uh, was captivating, the idea that this, this young Black child wants to know if he indeed can pursue a career that maybe uh, he wasn't aware that is accessible. To him, um, and and because of who I teach, I, you know, I I am a teacher. I teach a kindergarten through seventh grade, and my demographics are black and La black and Latinx. And so, you know, this question is something that 
while I haven't been asked it directly, I feel like it's something could come up in conversation with, with the boys that I teach. So there was an immediate connection in that regard as a mentor, as a, as a big brother. And then also, um, you know, b before Dirk's work, I think I was attracted to Micah's um, charcoal, you know, and it's still to this day, like whenever I see him produce his charcoal work is where I, is what I want to see. So when Aku is walking down the hallway, looking at the paintings on the wall, that's that's the part of me that I'm I'm paying attention to. I'm paying attention to what's on the wall when he's coming down the hallway in chapter one. As a, you know, I, I have a college degree and I took introduction to art, so I'm pretty uh, well versed in art knowledge and history. Um, I say that <laughs> when you look at uh, uh, just NFT art versus, uh, I guess, traditional art. Traditional. Is there is there like a judgment? Is there uh, like a different critique? Like how how does like a true uh, artist and and teacher of art? Um, really kind of break it down and and you know is there is there I, I think in terms of sports like we always compare like the past yeah. athletes to the new athletes and say you know the, the the old athletes are like oh these kids couldn't play in our day like is there some kind of judgment to this new wave of art yeah I, I think that sports I think that sports uh perspective is probably is probably the best also because then there, you, you end up with no answer, right? You're looking at Michael, you're looking at uh, LeBron and, and Jordan and we can, and everybody runs circles around that argument and never comes to a conclusion. You really never come to a conclusion. Um, partially because a career is not over yet. You know, LeBron is still on the court. Um, I think what happens with uh, NFT and traditional, um, so I, I don't always call it, I don't always refer to it as NFT. I, I really do consider it a digital art marketplace because um, I think that's the only difference. I really do think that um, it's a traditional art marketplace and then there's the digital art marketplace. I would never call myself an NFT artist because I don't think that NFT is a medium. I think NFT is a is a market. I think that's a place where you sell. I don't I don't work with I, I can't paint with NFT. I can't draw with NFT. I can't color with NFT. It's not a medium. You know, it, it's a place where, where we sell this stuff and where it's collected and it's exchanged. Um, and so I think the artwork itself um, doesn't necessarily change. It's great for digital artists who who were maybe making motion graphics that it couldn't really sell that. There was no way for them to actually like go to a uh, you know to a print fair and sit at a table and say, hey, um, I have this digital file. Would you like to just buy this uh, you know this flash drive off of me that has it on? You know, and and I think that was great for them. I felt I felt really good for for digital creators in that sense. But also, you know, there's tons of artists that are photographing and scanning traditional artworks, and that's and, and that's the work that they're selling. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's another outlet, right? It's it's another opportunity. It's if you're a fan of technology, then you would think to yourself, like, this is great. This is a new advancement, and you can settle there. Crispo, this is a two-part question. So you mentioned that you're a uh, teacher of Latinx and Black children. So uh, I guess question number one. How difficult is it to explain the concept of NFTs to those kids? Are they receptive to it? Do they understand it? And number two, have you been able to implement uh, Aku in that classroom as well? Curious to get your thoughts there. Yeah, I love this question, um, partially because I think, um, and and I would, I'm not saying you two, but I think uh, I think we as a society perhaps underestimate the knowledge of children. I have third graders who, if I put an image on the board, Let's say, let's say I'm about to teach um, Aku, right? And and when the students are walking into the classroom, I have the Aku website open, right? Aku World is open. Uh, they see the image of Aku there. 
you know, I have a, I had a third grader once ask me before I said anything, is that an NFT? And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So like, you know, they're aware of it. You know, they're aware of it. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the per first person to mention this, but, you know, when we're talking about like the comparisons between skins in a game and, you know, NFTs and, and then just uh, attaching that, that understanding and saying, hey, you know, what if you own those skins from Fortnite um, and you could sell them? You know, and then there's some students who go, hey, well, I have I've created this account, you know, where I got to X X level and, you know, whatever, whatever the best level is possible. Um, and then I sold that. I sold that account. I'm like, oh, so you understand it. Then there, there's already an understanding there. It's just a matter of like, how do you make things relate? Right. And that's always the goal, I think, of a good teacher. You know, how are they trying to make information relevant? to their students because their the understanding I think is is there it's just making that connection now regarding aku in the classroom I think aku tars was a perfect segue for me to bring this into the classroom because um at first initially I was like oh you know we'll draw an astronaut and we'll have some fun with that and then I thought about like you know putting the astronaut in a different environment but then when aku tars came out that's when that's when we were able to have some fun because I was able to show them all the different helmets all the different uh you know all different traits and they were able to start, I, I created a project where um, we had the same base helmet and then the students were able to customize that helmet. And then I gave them a bunch of physical materials. This was a physical project, it wasn't a digital project. So we had buttons and, and yarn and, and aluminum foil and they were just taking all this stuff and making it, you know, turning their helmets into monsters or turning their helmets into uh, really far out things. And um, that's a project that I, I have taught twice already um, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. So yeah, that, that's, uh, I think I answered your, uh, both of your questions. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well. I <laughs> I think I'm blown away by the fact that a third grader knew what an NFT was mm. and how, um, you know, people, I guess, in our age demographic, like young adults, you know, yeah. still just cannot grasp uh, the concept. You know, the word Beanie Babies comes up a lot. And I'm... Mm. I'm, I'm interested in knowing your perspective because there's two things that I, I find very fascinating with uh, the digital art in that Providence is really important in the art community. Um, I've watched, you know, documentaries and, you know, when they're talking about like buying and selling fine art and just the, the story behind the art, truly tracking like ownership to, you know, make sure it's not replicated. Um so that obviously is a problem that was solved with digital art, but also the fact that you're teaching students um, now that could actually have like legitimate, you know, careers doing art, you know, whereas, you know, my generation growing up, it's, you know, if you told your parents you were going to uh, major in art in school, they were like, oh, you know, <laughs> What are they going to do? Are we going to make money? So um, I, I just find it interesting. Like, I, I if I if I had a if I had a kid that was eighteen and going to uh, college now, and they said they wanted to major in art, you know, it's like that. You actually that that's viable now. That that's a viable. Yeah. You don't have to wait till you're dead for your art to be worth something. Right. Right. All right. So, uh, I, I, was there a question, or do you want me to comment on what you just oh, said? Because I agree with what you said. 
Yes. Like, like okay. kids now, like, like how that's changed. And um, yeah. So, so I'm not at the secondary level, right? I'm not, I'm not at the, high, I'm not with the high school students at the moment. Um, perhaps in the near future, I'll be, uh, I'll make a return to the high school. Um, and that's where I'll be able to get, you know, my hands dirty as far as on, as really getting these students, you know, onboarded essentially. And, you know, meeting with their parents and, and helping their parents understand like what, you know, what the possibilities are, because um, we know that there's absolute with, with, stu- with children, like, you know, with Nyla and the long neck, you know, and the long necks, you know, if a 12, a 12 year old is, is capable of seeing success here, um, there's no reason why other people shouldn't explore. I'm not saying that everybody's going to be successful. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that out there, but that they can explore it as a possibility is, is really important. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, that there is a possibility for artists to make a a career out of this sooner than later um but i think there's still hesitation right i don't i don't think we should say i don't think it's as easy as saying like that it's definite because you have to believe in you have to have a sense of belief in cryptocurrency you have to believe that the digital art market is going to be something that's going to be around that it's going to continue um so there's a, there's a leap of faith there i think there still continues to be a leap of faith i think being an artist and understanding that you're going to find yourself in this in a situation where you're going to have to do marketing on your own, you're still going to have to know these other tactics. Um, it's not. I want it to be. I think it's. I think it's easier because there's an additional opportunity, right? So now an artist coming out of art school can say, "All right, well, I am going to try to approach this gallery to get to get a uh, to get an exhibition, uh, you know, a solo exhibition. But I'm also going to create this artwork so that I can sell in the meantime and and build community and establish relationships with uh, with some of these other platforms and these creators on Twitter and you know any any other curatorial platforms. So there's still some work there, um, but it's it's nice that there is a additional opportunity. I like that a lot. Uh, as we gear up for 2023, one thing that Mike and team have talked about are the importance of education and kind of getting Aku uh, really. Uh, really really going in that direction in your opinion you know, what, what can we do to engage children you know what are children receptive to what what can aku do what, what can we do to really engage that portion of the community in your opinion yeah so i've thought about this in a before before i've spoke to mike about this before we had conversations about what it's like you know if the parents are the ones who are investing in this how can they then bring it to their children and it has to be something more than just seeing it on the on the digital screen we know that students interact and you know children interact with with computers all the time or or whatever their tablets are um but i've always been a fan of like coloring books like those things that are tangible how can we put how could we bring this aqua character off the screen and and bring it in front of children in a way that they can begin to familiarize themselves you know the comp- the comparison is constantly being made whether it's in discord or it's in it's in spaces and mike is saying it you know if 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 indeed maku uh sorry if indeed aku is is a Mickey Mouse, you know, iconic character in that regard. Um, you know, Mickey Mouse wasn't only on the screen. You know, he was accessible. He was something that you can touch. He was something that you can, that you can, uh, you can put your hand in. And if we want a six-year-old uh, to put his or her hand on on Aku, then it needs to be in a way that he or she can color it, can draw it. Um, I think that uh, actually right now, Pablo Stanley with Humankind is actually creating a coloring app to go along with his with that project. And I think that's amazing that that idea that, okay, so now you're, you are bringing these elements. And even if it's for adults, right? Adults bringing in that childish, um, that, 
that reminiscing, you know, that that opportunity to be playful with this with this character. It's meant to be playful. It's a child. You know, we're looking at a child on the screen. And um, I thought that was really important that for 2003, there was a redirection saying, hey, well, like, hold on, like, this is a kid. This is about a kid's dream. You know, how can we indeed make this uh, about kids? And I think it's that it's, you know, what's that next level? Like, did, did yes, it exists as a digital collectible, but, you know, can we take it and put it in front of a child in a way that he or she can interact with it? That's very interesting. I like that as well. Do you know, like, do your kids have hardware wallets? Do they know what that is? Do they own any NFTs? Like, do they have any any experience with, with it at all, at all, actually? No, at this level, I wouldn't have any. Um, I have, um, so my seventh graders, perhaps I would be able to to find a way to work with them to um, to be to get them interested in in it. And uh, I would I would definitely meet with their parents. So I would do nothing. Like there's no way that I would do anything that would uh, that I would be the sole responsibility for their security or their digital identity or anything like that. Um, it would have to sure. be something that would engage your parents. So in the future, I hope to work along alongside a parent teacher association and give them a presentation on this uh, specifically for uh, for those students who, who indeed have an interest in pursuing art or for those students who are who are at a young age interested in investment. Right. Because I think that's a really cool thing, too. Like, what are about those kids who who are already studying stocks and, and, and the market and they want to know, like, hey, what's another opportunity I have? You know, I have this money that I would like to try something with. And I think that's a really cool place for them to invest their money because they get to see something, they get to purchase things that they like, or they get to purchase things they don't like because the chance of flipping it might be awesome. Sure. I'm going a bit off script here, but like, yeah. um, if I were to like donate a hardware wallet, you know, with an Aquitar on that and, and sponsor some kind of contest where, you know, give me your version of your, your interpretation of Aku, would that be receptive to, to your kids? Because I think that's something I'd really want to get behind and it kind of resonates with me. Yeah, I think that I think that's I think that's incredible, and that would be major. Um, I think what happens is sometimes uh, teachers are asked to do competitions with outside uh, with outside sources, right? Things like the fire department, you know, they do fire safety posters. But I think in this regard, it's interesting because there is a um, there's a future element to this, right? You're not we're not saying like, hey, do this competition so that we can celebrate it next week at a, an award ceremony, and that be the end of it. But we're talking about something that that could potentially be life changing, and um, and I think there's a real place for that. I think there's a real place for that, especially for um, for students who are already invested with the idea of saying, "Hey, I want to be a digital content creator in the future. I want to be a, I want to be a digital artist in the future." Um, having a competition like this would actually make this thing real. It would it would be a motivating factor to say, like, "Hey, that all that time you're spending on the tablet." Uh, you know, what if you did this? You know, what if you went down this route? Uh, that's interesting. I, had, I hadn't thought about something like that, Lovebox. So um, you definitely have the wheels spinning on that because that so sounds like a fantastic opportunity. We can talk a bit offline, but like, let's, let's get, let's get a, a Moon God Pod sponsored contest where we're going to give away a hardware wallet and an Akutar, and we're going to have like kids submit their designs. And then we'll, we'll have the community uh, in Discord vote on what they, think is the best one and that's how we're going to do that I, i'm I, i'm really i think that would really really go about well jay wow what do you think about that hey man i'm just along for the ride uh, you're, you're <laughs> the pioneer you're the you're the creative here so sounds, that sounds awesome um, yeah that sounds like a, a, an amazing opportunity i want i i'm kind of i don't have children so i i i really don't have like a, a good barometer on on where kids are at today, but I always see these commercials for ABC mouse 
is that like a vertical that Aku is that's possible? Like, is that is that what they're, maybe they're kind of working towards? And and how effective is ABC Mouse like it and in, in its popularity and in, in utility? Yeah, ABC Mouse is on its own a pretty a pretty uh, significant platform. My thing is with all these platforms, I do I do think their parents should be engaged with it. So as much as uh, it could be child directed, um, I do think parents need to have some some like some form of engagement with it as well because you should understand what the kids are learning or help be able to be present for them to help them with it. But these platforms are super powerful. This idea that a student can indeed like uh, be they can make the decision of how how soon they will learn something or how how quickly they can learn something because it'll be accessible to them right so if as a instead of waiting for the teacher to give them the next assignment you know they can earn the earn the right to move on to the next assignment and then having those digital rewards inside of a platform right so like um let's say you're uh, you know for every mission that you you success use you or every learning activity you successfully complete you get to design a custom classroom, right? So you get your now, now you can do a, you can have your own smart board. You can decide what kind of paintings are on the wall um, because you're getting these credits through the through the uh, you know through the platform. So there's a ton of ton of learning applications that are like that. Um, you know, my, I think my my son right now is enjoying like the Duolingo Duolingo uh, for children. You know, he's he's loving that for like the reading. I was just thinking of that app exactly. Yeah. 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 So. Um, if Aku were to explore something like that, that's a ton. Of, that's a huge investment. You know, that's pretty major because they would have to they would have to bring in educators, understand like policy of of you know whether or not uh, you know they're meeting the standards for how whatever the nations are that you're serving, right? So if this is going to be like a global entity, then you need to know what what kind of um, curriculum standards are necessary for each one of these countries because you know you can't just it can't just be anything. It needs to match, you know, what that, you know, what that that country is is uh, accepting or deciding it is a form of education. Yeah, I Duolingo is amazing. I, I learned Spanish in about a year, like practice yeah. in 15 minutes a day and learning a second language as an adult is hmm. quite taxing. <laughs> you yes, know? it is. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that That's funny. That was exactly the application that I was I was thinking as far as you know, being a moon god and an investor in Aku, um, the education angle is really important. What we've really been hammering today. What else do you see from this program um, moving forward that you know you would like to see? And uh, you know, if you, you know, Lovox likes to say, if if you had to, you know, be CEO for a day, like what's one of the major moves that you would make for Aku in twenty twenty? So one of my favorite like creators as far as like child, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess for like the children's space is Mo Willems and Mo Willems is the creator of, of Pigeon series. He was a former comedian. He worked on Sesame Street for a bit and then he created these children illustration books that are, uh, I mean, he's a mega star, you know, and, and um and I think what's important about what he does is he he takes those characters and he creates experiences for them. And so similar to what, you know, what that first uh, Art Basel experience, you know, I think being able to bring something like that to a museum, to a children's museum, to a local museum is important because it allows for people to experience Aku as opposed to just seeing Aku. 
And um, and so what this guy does, and, and he's coming to, to one of our local, I, I saw him in New Jersey. I saw his, his exhibition in New Jersey, but it's coming to our local Ch uh, Long Island Children's Art Museum. Um, and he basically just has this character with different uh, different games, uh, different like activities. There's like drawing tables. There is photo booth opportunities. There is like um, like hot dog tossing games, like you know, like cornhole experience type of thing like that. But it's all based around these characters. So when you walk in there, you're completely consumed by the character and the story of these characters. And if you're familiar with like his books, then you are, you're able to say like, oh, this is from that book. This, this is part of that story. And, uh, and you feel like, I, I don't I, it's really hard to, to explain, but, but you're not just, it's just not a visual thing. You know, you, you are really become a part of that, that experience. And I, I think that's what happened, you know, in that first art, in that first art Basel that uh, Aku um, was able to have an experience. And I think taking something like that, like that show on the road, that would be it. Much like Van Gogh uh, immersion, uh, Monet. Exactly. Happened. Now there's like an Alice in Wonderland, which is really interesting. I, you know, I, I'm obviously know Monet and Van Gogh, but watching the way that it was created and, and truly being immersed in the art was a, was a different experience. Uh, Aku had that element, you know, with the different clips of the different worlds of Aku world for sure. I think that. Um, art has art is really kind of hitting its stride in the mainstream now. Um, yeah, you're doing kind of your own thing as well. Uh, kind of touch on what you're working on uh, in your shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, um, drawing is my thing. I love drawing. Um, digital drawing is something that I've taken up uh, over the past uh, few years. Um, and printmaking, those are those are probably that's probably where my heart is. Um, and yeah, I've just been, you know, I think as an educator, that was the first reason I jumped in because I was like, oh, there's a new marketplace. I need to be able to provide my students with this knowledge. I felt burdened with that. I felt like that was my responsibility as an educator to say like, hey, if you're going to pursue art, here here is a, an additional outlet for you. Um, so when I jumped in, uh, probably I think that was spring of I think that was spring of 21. Um, I collaborated with with uh, Ojeda's Bodega, and we dropped a piece. And then have, I have since been able to work. Uh, we, we occasionally drop collaborations, but I've been working on my own piece. I have become um, the education ambassador for Known Origin. Um, so I'm responsible for, you know, both um, teaching some fundamentals about NFTs uh, to people who are interested in, in you know, um, coming on board. And also, you know, what's what's it like to bring NFTs into the classroom to share that information with teachers. So that's been pretty cool. Um, and then the other thing I've done is um, I have a community-based project where I am hoping to um, encourage fathers and male guardians to use creativity as a parenting tool. So um, I, that project is, since it's free and accessible for, for all attendees, um, that covers the materials, the, the space that we're in. Um, I have been applying for grants, but I've also, my son and I have created, I have collaborated to sell some artwork. Um, and you've used that you've used those funds to uh, to push you know our initiative as well. My series, the work that I broke that I, I do is probably broken up into like three. I have a chess boxing queen. so like um, it's a queen that you know from from the game of chess with boxing gloves and um, that's probably the that's the one that Ho Jose and I collaborate on the most often. 
Um, so just putting her in different boxing positions and exploring like what I could do with that character has been pretty fun. That's an exploration and, and a celebration of the power of women. Um, I have another thing called Scaredy Pants, which is my pop art project and my comedy horror. So taking these three ghosts and possessing like popular characters' pants, right? So it take Homer Simpson's pants and I have my ghosts coming out of them instead of instead of Homer, you know, something like that. And then um, and then my fatherhood series. So that's the stuff that I work with my son, or I work on, you know, work on it on my own. So my work is divided into about you know three different series, and I'm pretty consistent with those. When it comes to your art, how do you describe your style? And where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, my style is, uh, <laughs> my style is, it, I wish I had an answer for that. I, I, my style is illustrative um, with the intent to both, um, to, be, to make the viewer feel powerful and to experience joy. I think, I think that's my, ultimately my goal. I want somebody, when somebody looks at my work, I, I want them to say like, oh, I too am a fighter or, you know, I too, um, I, I too, and I want to take this moment and enjoy. I want to laugh. I want to look at this piece and, and feel, you know, feel what it was like when I used to be able to just sit and laugh. Um, and I think I, I, I think I do that um, by trying to be as illustrative as possible as um, there's no like abstraction to my work. I really want my stuff to be super um, identifiable. Like when they see my work, I want somebody to say like, oh, that's that thing. Um, I, I don't want I don't want any hidden messages in my work. Uh, whenever I whenever I'm thinking of creating something, um, it's not usually based on emotion. Um, it's usually based on an idea that just says like, "Hey, I want this message to get out." Uh, but it has to be. I guess the style is illustrative in that um, I like bold lines. I like bold colors, not necessarily bright colors, but big bold colors. And and yeah. The reason I the reason that that question is a little complicated for me is um, my style is ever evolving. Partially because when I'm in the classroom with the students, I like to switch up my style depending on what kind of projects we're on, and so that carries over into my studio practice. Um, and also, I'm not I am I don't feel that you know at 38 years old I, I don't feel like I'm ready to settle on a style yet. You know, I, I this is not like relationship, right? It's not like me uh, you know deciding whether or not I want to start a family. Um, my art, because it's because it's so personal, because it's a passion project, um, I can continue to explore. I'm fortunate in the sense that it, that it's not, uh, you know, it's not my bread and butter, right? Because I'm a teacher. That's that's where that's where my career is. And art can I, I can allow myself to be as explorative as possible. Long answer, I love Ox. Sorry. With the rest of uh, the art that you've like consumed in the in the digital space. Um, you know, some certain names have really kind of risen to the top. And I sometimes wonder, is there art that great? And art is obviously in the eye of the beholder, but is there art that great or did they just come early? Like, and so I, I want to just throw out like two yeah. the biggest names in like people okay. and ferocious. Uh, and okay. I also want to know who really kind of captured uh, captured your taste as far as like uh, the digital artist. So I look at, for me personally, I look at people and, and I'm again, like my art education is not <laughs> anything to brag about at all. Um, it, I, I just don't, I like, I, I love people's commitment to producing art like yeah. every day. I'd never look at his art and say, man, that's amazing. But then ferocious, um, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. But now as I've gotten deeper and deeper in his uh, catalog, 
I can see, like, I, I kind of see the, it, the emotion, you know, like, it, like there's some that's really uh, interesting. So with that said, where, where, where do you see everything? Yeah. Um, so I, I will speak with bias. I, I'll speak with bias and, and, and I'll be as, as I'll, I'll embody the role of art critic for a moment. And I'll say that I think the thing that's fascinating. Uh, so to answer your question, whether I think people were early or people are good, I think people were early. I do think people were early. Um, and I think people were around at, right at, you know, right at the, the, the beginning of that and the tip of that, uh, that bull market where they were able to just, they get, they got it done, you know, and they were able to be, you know, they fully invested themselves, whether it was in clubhouse or early spaces and, you know, shield the, the hell out of themselves and, you know, it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, those two names that you that you just brought up, I, I think they're important. I think they're important, um, and I think they're going to be they're going to be names that if if somebody writes an art history book, they're going to have to name both of those artists, and they're going to have to talk about what their impact was, and then everybody's going to look at those pages and they're going to think to themselves the same way they look at a at a Jackson Pollock or, um, or like. Or, or some of Basquiat's work and say to themselves whether or not, you know, whether or not they feel like that's art, it's gonna be, it's gonna be left up to them. Um, I am a Basquiat fan, but not of his, not of, not always of his. Mm -hmm. His story is, his story is intriguing to me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and that goes back to my, that idea of like, uh, of process, of how important process is to me. And I think that's what happens with people too. Like you said, the commitment to to working. I think that's what it, I think that's what it is too. I think I think we're gonna look at him and say like, wow, he created all of these works every day. Like he really did this every single day. Uh, so yeah, I think those two names are going to resonate in art history books of NFTs. Um, we're gonna have to look at both of them and decide then as as consumers as. Uh, collectors as artists whether or not we feel like you know their artwork was something that caters to us of course everybody has their own individual um wants when it comes to art right because you, because you can't just you can't just define it right so it's going to be you know what you thought but you can't deny uh that they made an impact on you know the marketplace and continue to right we still look at at what people's doing his that sale uh, is is forever going to be um, an iconic sale. Something that people are going to look on as to whether or not it, it made or broke us. You know, you know, was it too much? Was it too much too early? And 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 everybody else was just playing catch up. Then after that, um, and then for Wosius, you know, uh, I think he, I think what he's doing is is he's embodying. I think he's is entering a new phase of of his of his celebrity and, and now caught up with understanding whether or not like, does he have to be somebody who fights for you know, human rights in addition to just making art, you know? And so I think, I think, I think we're moving on to the next phases of both of them, but, but what they've already, their stamps on it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be undeniable. Mm -hmm. This is more a statement than anything, but I, I didn't know, like I consider myself a neophyte art collector. Okay. Uh, I've, I've probably gain a little bit more along the way here, but just how important a story is, right? How important people's everydays and Fawosius's gender orientation and the struggle and some of the pain inside the yard. And I can think of maybe how, how distinct X copies art is. So it's it's just it's so it's so it's it's really interesting to me to look at, okay, and now we have Micah Johnson with the story. So really it, it's 
you know, you see the movies and you see this guy buy a $10 million painting and he has a story that he talks about for 15 minutes. And that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't know how important story is and how important it is to champion yourself in the space. I, 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 I feel like there's more. There's definitely a lot there. And I think what happens is um, for some of us, especially, uh, especially for people who are just collecting now, um, we weren't around for the major players, right? For those art, ma- for those masters, for those uh, pop artists who were, uh, who were so instrumental. For those expressionists or neo-expressionists, you know, what, whatever the whatever the era was, um, we weren't there to 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 witness them in their in their glory, right? We didn't, we weren't, we weren't in Italy to see Michelangelo being hired to paint the Sistine Chapel. We didn't see that, but people saw that, and so that that was able to resonate with them. I think what's happening is that these are our contemporary artists now, and we're able to, because of Twitter, because of uh, videos, because of Instagram, because of spaces, we're able to be in the lives of these artists, and artists are allowed to share themselves in a way that they feel, to, to the point that they feel comfortable, right? But they aren't the only contemporary artists. We've been around contemporary artists before, so if you look at something like PBS's Art 21, right? So, so their documentary is on artists. Um, that are currently alive with us now, you know, and um, what it's like for that. If, if you live in their city, you know, if you live in the city of these artists, you can be a part of this this experience. And you know, because they're because they're so impactful, their studios are open. You can go to their studios, and so now it's just a matter of like, you know, what are we learning within the digital art marketplace that we can apply to the entire arts art, you know, you know, art sphere, and say like. Um, there are other artists that I like that are around right now. They're not exploring digital mark, you know, you know, co- digital collectibles. And I still want to learn. I still want to know about the story, and I still want their artwork, right? So I, I think, I think, um, story is story is important, and and we shouldn't have to wait until the documentary after death comes out. The only like large art piece that I ever bought um, was at a Santa Monica gallery. Um, here by the beach uh, years ago, I bought it from my parents and it was three uh, wiener dogs swimming underwater. And, and I saw this painting and I like for years. And then I finally like that. I bought it from my parents and it's okay. their, uh, their living room. That's the only real physical piece of art outside okay. of buying stuff from like Ross to decorate, you know, my house. Um, with that said, uh, you know, I, I want to thank you because your uh, education level and just insight, um, it, it just opens up a whole different perspective for myself and certainly the education element of it. Um, you know, we have our, our final two questions, which is kind of my thing uh, to wrap things up because um, you've got to go teach the kids, you know, more about art. So um, we were told to avoid the food question. Uh <laughs> Our, our, our in-house food critic, Love Ox, uh, is going to ask this one. And usually I answer, ask a question about travel, but I wanted to, as an educator, I felt this was a good opportunity. What are, like, like if what are the three, like, premier universities to get an art degree? Yeah. Um, so we're thinking that I, I'm going to be, I'll probably stick to the States just for the sake of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um there is like, there's, uh, this is funny. It's Micah, well, um, but it's in Baltimore, uh, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Uh, I mean, not Massachusetts, sorry, Maryland Institute of College of Art. Um, so Micah, um, Savannah down in Georgia. Um, and there are a lot in New York. Um, so it's hard to, um, 
but the fashion institute is pretty huge when it comes to like uh creatives pursuing um some different types of degrees in art is that um, like fashion say it again Fitum, like Fashion Institute of Design, or is that, is that a different? Because we have one in L.A. Yeah, it is different than the one in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, but you know what? Of course, there's a ton of California, too, because um, yeah. that's just where there's I mean, I mean, there's there's an entire genre of of like illustration and cartooning right now that's just based on, you know, this style that's coming out of um, some of the California art schools. I have a question, though, for you before. I, I do have a question because you said that there was only one physical piece that you ever collected. But you are a collector now in the digital digital art marketplace. What held you back from collecting physical pieces? Um, I never had anywhere to really display it. Oh. You know, like um, I, I don't, I don't host. Like I don't really have a lot of people. No, my I used to have an Airbnb business, and so I had a bunch of houses, and I would literally go to Ross, and I would go to um, uh, like Goodwill and buy. Okay art just to cover the walls i did buy uh, a piece um i'm i'm actually looking at it right now it's october 1962 cover of couture okay i found it like at a goodwill and it's the cover is a woman in a monarch butterfly dress okay not that that really does anything but when i saw it i was like man that's something like it, it was very story and when i was in line a woman behind me was pissed that I found it because she was <laughs> like, you know, garage yeah. antique, and she offered me a hundred bucks for it. And I paid $2 for it. And I was like, no, I'm good. Thinking I had gotten like a, you know, Oh, I found me a Rembrandt, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I, and, 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 I, and the art that I do um, keep and buy, uh, I love maps. So okay. I've probably bought like 10 pieces that are just, different kinds of maps like colored certain ways like antique um like scripted maps so you know again that's nothing that i think is like very artsy but it's it's what i like and and when you're not swimming underwater in, in my heart i was hoping that you weren't going to say something along the lines is because the physical art didn't come with some type of utility i was like please don't say it Jay. well please don't say it um because I, because I think that that's a new that's a new burden that's placed on artists that I happen to not be a fan of. Um, so I would I would talk down, you know, um, whatever the case was for that. Although I don't know, but you know, people have expectations for their investments. Um, as an artist, I say that the artists are already putting a, a lot into what they're you know what they're producing. Well, most most yeah. are. Lovox is he's got more physical. Uh, acclimate than I do. Uh, okay. he, he he prefers uh, statues, though. Okay. Wow, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, sir. You know, it's 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 interesting that you say that. The amount of money that I've spent on NFTs, I, I couldn't have imagined in my wildest dream right. I, I would be doing that two years ago. So, I guess to answer your question, why? I guess it's a a medium that appeals to me. Right. So it's for the first time, it's a way for me to intimately connect with artists that I would have never seen in my entire life. Right. So you're, you're, you're searching, you're looking at it. Like I am a uh, true blue flipper, flipper guy, buy, sell, trade. Like that's me. And then okay. it just captivated my attention. And then along the way, I fell in love with the art. So it's like I, I came for the, for the adrenaline rush and I stayed for the art. So that, that's pretty interesting. I guess in closing, my, my question to you is I, I, I am interested 
in more physical based artists, you know, who do you recommend from a contemporary basis? Who's on your radar screen? Who should I be looking up? And, and how do I find these folks? Right. Um, I think my number one right now and a guy that's I'm, I'm, I'm pretty heavily like invested in the sense of like wanting to learn more is Hebrew Brantley out of Chicago. Um, Hebrew Brantley is, is making some incredible waves. He has, and you, and I guess when you see it, you'll see how it aligns with, with, with Aku in the sense that he has a character called Flyboy. And what he did was he also wanted to tap into, um, iconic cartoons and, uh, you know, what would it be like if, you know, if, if African-Americans had, had their opportunity to create an iconic character early on and how would it stick? And so, um, and so you'll see that um, the character has elements of Tuskegee Airmen um, on him. He rides rockets, he flies, he does, you know, parachute stuff. He can do all these things that incorporate like, like flying. Uh, but, ult- and, and, but ultimately he is uh, a superhero um, and that, that uh, you know, a child can really see him, him or herself um, being, because he has, he has a girl version as well called Little Mama. So Hebrew Brantley, um, big name collectors, uh, has exhibited early on in Basel as a solo ex- exhibitor, and you know um, he'll. Ha- I'm not going to go down the list of people who have collected his work, but um, but he's got a lot of big names in his collectors list, and uh, I-, I think he just released a book. He's going to. I think. I think if if he hasn't already ended up on your radar, I think he's going to end up very uh, very shortly. I'm looking at some of the pieces now. I live in Chicago. And I okay. was unaware, so I, I appreciate you putting me on. There's one other dude out of Chicago that I'm that I'm watching now too. Uh, his name is Scent Rock, S E N T R O C, um, and uh, he has his roots in in um, in being a street artist. But he's uh he has very similar take. He also has he has a character that's like wears a bird mask, and um and it's from the Mexican perspective, and so um. So that that's pretty awesome too, and so I think like you know it, they're appropriate for our conversation and and the topic at hand, um, because they all are, are attempting to do the same thing, right? It's almost like playing catch up with with uh, with the industry. You know, what's it like to to create this iconic character that can go on to you know to live for generations and make impact within respective communities? Want to kind of wrap this up. Um... The mega OG has commercial rights. And I just kind of made the connection about like, you know, your love for comic books. Is there any thoughts that you have about utilizing those commercial rights or, you know, you and Jose maybe collaborating? Yeah. uh, We, we've talked about that, you know, when we, when we, uh, (laughs) when they were first minted and they were, you know, uh, we got to see what, what, what traits um, the, they had, uh, you know, right away trying to figure out like, oh, is this a like a can we turn one of these into like a Batman Robin and have, uh, you know, have them work on something like that? Uh, I think I think the answer is definitely. I think there's there's a lot of space to have some fun with that. Um, and and yeah, uh, thanks for the reminder. That's what I'll say. Thanks for the well, reminder. as soon as you guys get something in the kitchen cooking, you uh, yeah. know, we'll have you back on and do an unveil. I I, I, I keep thinking Power Rangers. Uh, but I have no idea how to get that going. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Did, yeah. Did uh, now that you mentioned cooking, what, what did either one of you end up with one of these from uh from Miami? 
Yeah, we got Yes, him. sir. Yes. Ah, dope. Good, good, good. All right, glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't get to say it, but my but my first uh, one of my earliest interactions with Micah was I I had drawn a piece of fan art, and it's in chapter two. It's one of the post one of the billboards that's in uh, hmm. that you can see through the window when Aku is in the train. Um, and so I so even if I were to leave the project at some point as a collector, and you know I wasn't vibing with the community, uh, there's a piece of my art and a piece of me already in the project. Well, Jose tagged you as his guest, and we always ask, who would you like to see on the pod? And the caveat is, you have to help us get them on. So, yeah. it, it, and, and to be fair, it doesn't have to be a specific moon god, but, uh, you know, re reach, yeah. as, reach as far up the totem pole as you'd like. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think in, in, and digging deeper into this conversation, I think if you haven't spoken to David Welch yet, I think that's going to be the person that makes sense to to move on to next, so we could see what it's like for him to have created a mural with his students. Ah, that's um, because uh, because he has a different, you know, he's not an art teacher; he's a classroom teacher. And so, um, you know, what's it like where he is? He is teaching this to students who aren't focused on the art element of it. And understanding that there's, you know, when we're thinking of digital art market, we can be thinking about the steam elements. You know, what's it, what's it, what's a science element? What's the technology? What's the math that goes into being a collector or being an artist in, in the digital art market? So yeah, I'll work on it. All right, That's yeah. all. Lovox, closing thoughts, sir. Crespo, appreciate your time. Love your perspective, and and keep rocking with the students. Uh, 100% want to back up the conversation we had in regards to the Moon God Pod giveaway. But uh, thanks again, my friend. Much appreciated. And thank you guys. I really appreciate your time and letting me talk my stuff. Absolutely. Um, thank you all for uh, tuning in and watching another episode of To the Moon God Pod. As always, we ask uh, subscribe, comment, share, spread the word. And if you've made it this far into an episode, then you've obviously enjoyed our content and gotten some value. So uh, add value back to the community by helping us uh, keep it going. And, you know, we'll keep getting guests. Thanks to uh, people like Crespo linking us up with the the, the dominoes that fall is uh, really amazing. And it'll be really fascinating to see kind of where we go. Um, that's how we do it. Fly by a seat of our pants. So for Love Ox, for Crespo, I am JWOW LAX. We will see you next time.